You want to know what you need more of in your life? Politics. Yeah, nobody ever said that. But if you've got to go ahead and spend money on one nonfiction book, it's got to be the ultimate clash of wisdom, awesomeness, and then obviously the politics. But why not a little bit of comedy? Why not a little bit of a memoir? Why not something that's going to make you say, hey, I actually enjoyed reading this. I laughed. I learned something in the process. Check out my book. It's an Amazon bestseller. You may have heard of it. It's Stay Away from the Libertarians. It talks about all the things you think you might know about libertarians, plus a lot of things that I bet dollars to donuts you don't know about. You can get it on Amazon and Barnes & Noble online. So go on right now. You can get it in print or ebook or Kindle or whatever you call it. Just go out and get it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble online today. It's Stay Away from the Libertarians by Remso W. Martinez. Happens to be me. Five, four, three, two. Twitter suspends the accounts of thousands of Chinese users on the anniversary of the <clears throat> Tiananmen Square. Ah, fuck, you coughed. Sorry. the accounts of thousands of Chinese citizens because they were critical of China on the anniversary of the Tiananmen Square incident. And meanwhile, remember a while back when I said, hey, libertarians, if you don't defend Alex Jones now, you'll be getting screwed on Twitter and Facebook and everywhere else imaginable on the internet? Well, if you thought liberty memes was it, I've got more words for you. It's not over. It's so not over. This is the Remso Martinez experience. Folks, welcome back to the program. I know that we've been throwing so many extra episodes at you recently, but hey, who's complaining? Because I'm not, you're not. We're just one big happy family. And I, I totally butchered those <laughs> lyrics. I'm in a good mood. Anyway, you, you got to be a good mood in weird situations, especially when you end up seeing your own self-fulfilling prophecies. Last September, I went ahead running around, basically sounding like a dead albatross, telling people, hey, all this stuff happening with all these pri pseudo-private companies that are censoring people and deplatforming them. Yeah, if you think we're friends of them just because we also like half the things they like and don't like the other half the things that don't really matter but they seem to care a lot about and we're fine. Yeah, libertarians are in the crosshairs. And now we're seeing it happen to the meme makers. But what what else is going on? This is ironic because all this shows is that this isn't an isolated incident. This is a growing trend of censorship and deplatforming across the internet. What am I talking about specifically? Twitter. Several days ago, on the anniversary of the Tiananmen Square incident, uh, Twitter suspended the accounts of thousands of Chinese Twitter users who were commenting on it. And when people started seeing what was up and they got mad at Twitter, what did Twitter do? They reinstated the accounts. Nah, just screwing with you. They just issued an apology. According to Culture on Twitter, C-U-L-T-T-T-U-R-E, Twitter has, has apologized for suspending accounts critical of Chinese government policy days ahead 
of the 30th anniversary of the bloody crackdown on protesters at Beijing's Tiananmen Square after an outcry among users. And they go ahead and they link to a, a article from Reuters. I'll go ahead and put that in the show notes today. But on top of that, good friend of the show, Pete Raymond. You all might know him as Mance Raider from the awesome as ever Free Man Beyond the Wall podcast. If you know him, you kind of know what he does. You're not surprised that he does the thing he does. He's not a big fan of cops. He likes Bitcoin. He loves memes. That's his thing. He's never hurt anyone. He's never threatened anyone. He just likes to crack jokes and talk about fun stuff. But that wasn't good enough for some people. After a series of reports and a whole bunch of Twitter attacks, the man who has been removed from more platforms I can count has now been removed permanently from Twitter. To discuss this, the perennial Nostradamus himself, Brian Nichols from The Brian Nichols Show. Brian, how, how good does it say to people, hey, we, we, we told you so, because I don't feel that great about it. <laughs> and we shouldn't feel that great about it because, I mean, unfortunately, the writing's been on the wall for quite a while that this was this is going to happen. Um, and, and the Alex Jones bannings and the bannings of other, uh, we'll just say more right-wing individuals, it was it was testing the waters. They were, they were looking to see what the reaction was going to be. And, uh, you know, at that point, they, they saw there was a little pushback by Alex Jones. I mean, he's the cartoon character. Um, so he, he wasn't really taken as seriously by those in the right. Um, so they're like, okay, we, we can, we can get away with doing this. And then, you know, lo and behold, they're, they're not going to do a, a massive wave of people at once. It's going to be uh, these individual thought leaders within re their respective, you know, communities. And, and, you know, unfortunately Pete was the, uh, one of the first dominoes to fall within the greater libertarian, um, spheres of influence, which is, is, you know, very scary. Cause like you said, the worst thing that he's done is share memes. He, I mean, he, he's well known for his memes on Twitter. Um, that's where a lot of people, you know, would go to follow him for, for that content. So, I mean, if, if he's the one right now that's down, I, and just because of his memes, I, I don't know, you know, who, who's next, but it's, it's, it's going to happen. And it's just one of those sad realities. Yes. We, we were in fact, right. Uh, but I don't want to be proven right in a situation like this. Yeah. And I mean, this isn't just some random person. Like he's not, you know, the, the, the king of the libertarians, though, if he wants to go to war with people, I will totally unite under his clan to claim the iron throne. But like, you know, he was a writer at the Libertarian Institute. He's on, you know, he's written two books. He's a speaker at many different libertarian events. He had like 14,000 followers. Like he had a voice. And as soon as he got suspended, people figured it out pretty freaking fast. Yep. And the mm -hmm. whole thing derived started, you know, it was just a Twitter argument. One of the folks that was involved is a good friend of mine, Andrew Meyer, um, for those of you that might not remember Andrew, who's been on the show in the past and me and him have actually, uh, for, well, uh, Andrew and I last January, we, we reached out to every sitting Democrat Senator in the, in the U S Senate. And we asked them to basically disavow Antifa. And because of our efforts, one, we got a response from nobody except two, the one person we expected not to get a formal official response from Tim Kaine, whose son is part of Antifa. So like Andrew, a Andrew's a good guy and him and uh, he, he's more he's more conservative, but him and beat got into it. And next thing on Twitter about something about the cops and next, you know, a bunch of other people start jumping in and then they're like, oh, we're just going to start 
saying that he's threatening people because, uh, you know, he they were talking about, you know, who would defend you if in, if, if in your anarchy society someone was robbing your house? And what Pete said was, it'll be me and I'll blow your freaking head off. Well, someone used that and because of those several words, they went ahead and basically used that to justify targeted violence. And now he's suspended like he's permanently suspended. Mm-hmm. He'll never have a platform on Twitter again. It's so sad. I mean, that, that, that right there is the, the part I, I, I can empathize with those on the right who are asking for regulation. To be clear, I am not in favor of regulation from the government in terms of you know, making sure they're holding these these you know, it, you know, Facebooks and Twitters, these, these third parties accountable. Um, but I, I empathize where they're coming from, saying you know, this is a public square. I mean, this is the, the modern day going out into the town hall and speaking, only now it's over it's over the Internet. It's using these social media forums like, like a Twitter or a Facebook. And essentially, you're being depersoned because now you're no longer having having the ability to to take, spread your message and using the, these mediums. Now, obviously, the libertarian response is, well, find your alternative. Where's your, where's your your version of Twitter? Where's your version of Facebook? And and the reality is, yes, there are some versions of it out there. They're just they not suck. nearly as... Well, yeah. I, I mean, that's... <laughs> like, let's just be brutally honest. Like, they suck. And I totally get this. And, you know, when it comes to the whole social media platform thing, like, you know, people have called me a status, a bunch of other stuff. But, like, this this whole thing with Pete... Like, yeah, it's it's not grand in the grand scheme of things. Like, I think the whole Chinese incident is a bit worse. But with Pete, for me personally, it was just the last freaking straw. And like, here, here's my thing. Like, you know, when it comes to the government getting involved, I think we just assume that they would, you know, do what Tucker Carlson wants and just take over Twitter, take over Google and everything. But for the longest time, we need to remember that when it when it came to what was the predecessor to the Internet for a lot of people, it was radio, it was public radio, it was, you know, regular AM FM stations. And under the Fairness Doctrine, which was put under the FDR administration for every conservative voice out there, you had to have a counterpoint to it. And what they realized very fast was that, you know, people were being kept down because of that, because who's going to have more money, the people that really own the show? It's really the liberals. It wasn't until the Fairness Doctrine was repealed under the Reagan administration that you had the godfather of modern political commentary, Rush Limbaugh, come on. And then when the liberals got in, they figured out, oh, wait, we can't compete in the market. That's what gave birth to conservative talk radio. That's what gave birth to Fox News. That's what gave birth to so many other things. And that's ultimately where we are. If you see a right-wing pundit who's owning libs, you could thank Rush Limbaugh and Reagan for the, you know, for killing the fairness doctrine and showing it was stupid. But when it comes to these platforms, I think it's at the point where it needs to be like, you know what? You own the data. You're writing the regulation already. Like they're already here. And Twitter is recruiting in D.C. They're asking for people with security clearances to work for Twitter and Facebook. That's not suspicious at all. Right. And now what they basically do is they do own a virtual monopoly because like Gab, for example, I've got an account on Gab, like Gab was kicked off Twitter. Then Gab was kicked off their servers. Gab was kicked out of their bank. So it's like, oh, just make your own platform. Okay, they did that. Oh, use your own routing system. Okay, they did that. Are they supposed to make their own bank now? Like these people are already involved with each other. It's crony capitalism. So all I'm suggesting I think Josh Hawley from uh, Missouri has kind of touched on this a bit is don't have something out there that says, you know, we're taking over, we're writing the rules. Maybe just something out there that says you've got to really someone has to literally commit a crime 
before you can just kick them out for speech because it's at the point where it's like we can't just keep pretending that they're private companies. The the system is fucking rigged, and I I don't I don't really know any other option. I mean, I could stick to the purest free market sense that I want to, but you know the the writing's on the wall. Like, what are we gonna do when we're all kicked off? Because mm-hmm. today, and I'm talking like today, like hours ago. I can't run ads on Facebook anymore. I, I can't. What am I supposed to do when my second book comes out in March, which will be available on Barnes and Noble and Amazon? Like, how am I, <laughs> how am I supposed to do that? How well, can you not I don't advertise think, there? I, was just, I don't think there's a, a right or wrong answer because the reality is we've never really faced a situation quite like this, um, especially with it being in the realm of the, the ever advancing technology. Um, the fear I have, Amazon, I think this is a, a fear that you know, libertarians have been speaking of, and we we're just talking about the fairness doctrine. Is that you know, right now it's a a right-leaning government with with the Trump presidency and, and his his cabinet. But the the next election, it might not be. So as soon as we open up the floodgates, saying, well, yes, let's have the the government uh, control the the um the, these social media companies, then all it takes is one administration later who is completely the polar opposite, to then use that newfound power and then crack down on even more so on the people that they disagree with. And they can, you know, use the arbitrary lines of, of hate speech. And and now they have the, the you know, the threat of force because the government who's instituting these policies. So I, I get nervous because I look and see what, uh, what government has been shown to do when they have such power. Um, and right now the internet has, has seemed to be the, the one area where regulation has kind of been staved off. I mean, right now with the FCC, you know, they, they fought back against net neutrality, uh, restrictions. Um, you know, that's just one administration away from, from, you know, having a complete 180. So I, I get nervous whenever we start talking about putting the feelers of government into uh, the one really bastion of, uh, you know, some, some sense of, of free market sense, uh, sensible approach. And that's really the internet. So I, I don't think there's right or wrong answer. I don't know what we could do besides yes, continue to, to raise awareness to what's happening. And really when we see these kind of things happen to be vocal, I mean, yes, we can say a private company can do what they want, but that doesn't mean we have to sit by idly and let it happen. We should be, you know, screaming from the rooftops. We should be making sure, you know, we're, we're bringing it up not only through the alternative accounts we have on social media, but also in, in real life, you know, talk to people in your, your, uh, your workplace, you know, tell them what's happening. What you experience, you know, have you ever experienced anybody getting banned on social media? Don't make it, partisan, just ask a general question. Oh, have you ever seen somebody go to Facebook jail and just open the conversation and it will help them to start to say, oh, maybe it's beyond just, you know, somebody being rude and offensive. Now it's actually, you know, people are being targeted uh, because of their political beliefs. So I think we need to make it real um, and really make sure we're bringing it to the forefront of every individual's, you know, common sense life. So they're seeing it in the real uh, impacts of, you know, these overreaching uh, instances where where we're having censorship by these, these third party private companies. I I do not disagree with anything you said, but one thing I do want to point out is that, you you know, you bring up something which is the obvious answer, but it's the hardest thing. Talk to people about it. And, you know, when when I came on your show back in September of uh, 2018, you know, I went on your show. Then ironically, I went on I went on Pete's like a few weeks later when Facebook was really clamping down on me more so. And, uh, you know, it was during the whole Alex Jones thing and it became instantly you either forget forget the reality of the situation. You're either for Alex Jones or you're not. And people, you know, they were staring at the one single solitary tree instead of focusing on the vast woods behind it. But I think like right now, people 
Yeah, I think this can be said about so many different things. Like, people don't care until it starts to hurt. Like, no one cared about the subprime mortgage situation until it was their homes that they were getting kicked out of in 2008, until it was their bank accounts that were getting shut out, until they weren't getting a bailout, but Fannie and Freddie were. I don't, I don't think people actually understand what's going on. And it's sad because you ask, a, you ask anyone about it, everyone has an opinion about it, but I don't think they understand how insidious the whole thing is because this should not be a problem in the year 2019. Like, this shouldn't be a mm-hmm. problem. So my, my, my question to you is, do you think people just don't care? Because I, I, I'm going to blatantly just say that unless you're unless other people are coming up with solutions better than mine. And my, I don't think my solution is perfect at all. I don't want I don't want, I don't even want to advocate for my idea. It's just an idea. But for a lot of people that just jump on the whole, oh, it's a private company. Don't touch it. Or, oh, you got to just go antitrust on it and let the government get in. It's like if, if we're jumping between just one thing or another. I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think anyone's gonna care, and I don't think we're gonna get any further towards the direction of you know a free and open internet the way that we want. I, don't I think people are stupid, Brian. <laughs> I think that's what I'm gonna say. I think people are just outright stupid. Well, it's part of the reason I've, I've you know tacitly embraced the idea of, of requiring people to pass a citizenship test in order to vote, <laughs> just because I mean honestly, like I want people who are aware of what's going on to to have the the voice. If we're going to have a system where we're you know casting a, a democratic society and that's how we're going to make our, our institution of laws, I don't like a democracy. But Brian it, it's likes a least. poll tax. <laughs> <laughs> I know, isn't, isn't that fun? That's always like the first uh, the first rebuttal people give. Like, oh, you're just racist and you want a poll tax and a literacy test. It's like, no, I I don't want people who want people who know we're talking about like to, to actually vote but to the point before i i think it's a combination of people not knowing um but also not caring um it it does i mean the reality remzo we're in a weird you know space being in politics as a libertarian you know podcasting group right so the the average person we're they, like they the and frank of on-demand content like we've got an audience <laughs> we just hope that we don't get too loud to actually get the attention of certain people what a <laughs> that that was what an analogy that was our metaphor which one's the metaphor analogy which I forget the difference between the two I ignored that class okay yeah I I just remember we read Huckleberry Finn at one point but um to, to the larger point though I'm so again like we're we're in that weird if space me, if right doing something related to Anne Frank is gonna get people talking about it by God I will talk about <laughs> Anne Frank. <laughs> <laughs> like that's where I, we're I, at I now. Well, and, you know, hopefully people would wake up because, I mean, it is it's a sad case that they don't look at the the political talk that we do as something that's really relatable because we're we're in a weird group of people who talk politics and something we're very passionate about. So we obviously will have, you know, the, the, the more awareness to these different topics of conversation, especially when we're seeing people that we're familiar with being impacted negatively from the, the policies that are going down through these these social media companies. But I mean, to your average, you know, everyday friend that you, you maybe go to the bar with after work, you know, you say, oh, man, my uh, my my friend Pete, you know, he was uh, he was banned on, on Twitter. He's a uh, he was an anarchist libertarian, you know, ANCAP. And uh, well, yeah, it's really Pete sad. What did Pete say? Well, it, well, it, I, honestly, <laughs> but you know what? Before that question's even asked, they're going to say, they're going to say, who, who, who's Pete? What does he do? 
Like what, 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 what's the issue? Like why, why is he important? And, and it's not going to make any sense to them. Cause a lot of people, they use social media to share pictures of dogs, right. And, and show their food. Like it's not something they use to, you know, advocate policy or to hold our elected officials accountable. They don't look at it like that. It's, it's more of a, a fun tool to talk with people, not something that we leverage to actually promote our, our messaging and, and hopefully change people's hearts and minds. So I think it's part of it's just the disconnect from what we're doing and how we approach the, the process of changing people's minds and, and really trying to help change culture. The, the average person, they, they don't see it that way. So I had a viral tweet back in January of last year where it was about marijuana. And I, I did like a whole, you know, 88,000 deaths per year attributed to marijuana. And it goes down the list and it's like, ha just kidding. That's about alcohol. And it had like 440,000 retweets, which was like mind blowing. I was like, what the heck just happened? And the, the fact is that somebody may have seen that that uses social media recreationally and they were like, oh, huh, that's interesting. And they, you know, favorite it or retweet it. Um, but it wasn't overtly political and they didn't view it as overtly political for us when we're being overtly political. I think that's when we, we start to lose a lot of the, the ability to relate to some other people. And when we're talking about these, these, you know, social media companies coming down on the, the right, the, the people on the right or libertarians or, or what, what have you, it, it, there's, there's where the disconnect happens. And they're like, okay, I, I guess that's, you know, important to you, but I don't see how it really has too much importance to me, or I don't understand why it's so important. So I think we have to be able to try to convey it in a way that people are able to better understand, but at the very least better able to relate to and acknowledge how it impact them in their lives. If it was, you know, a, a similar situation, just we have to frame it for their individual perspective, if that makes sense. Do you think we've just given it too much authority? The, the media companies? Yeah. I, I, like, I mean, like this is going to sound like a stupid follow up question to that. But like, I'm just I'm just spitballing here. Like, I'm about to go like full Joe Rogan, ask like a super basic but ultra meta tweet. Like, what if we just left? <laughs> just left social media in general, just, just left social media in general. I don't know if we could anymore, though. Like we're, we're at such a point in society where social media has become it's, it's almost like it's the the real version of like a town hall but it's all through is it in a non in a, in a way but it's all non-personal so like we can we can hide behind the the confines of a computer screen and not have to face our neighbors face to face and have like a real human connection um but pe- i don't think and honestly and this is weird but like people really want connection but they they get uncomfortable when it's like that really face-to-face human connection. And I think the ability to have like the, the chance to turn off your computer and just like end the communication is, is re- like very refreshing for some, some people. So it's, it's, I think we're at a point where it's, it's almost too far gone to have people just all, all of a sudden walk away from social media because it becomes so ingrained in, in how we communicate. I mean, I, I'm lead a sales team and I'm hiring some, you know, fresh out of high school kids for, for my, my, um, my call center. And like a lot of the, the kids I interview, like they don't know how to have a conversation on the phone because they never had to, like, they don't have to have that, that real, they're, they're know, just sending DMS and dick pics. They don't need to <laughs> talk to people. Making a lot of people in the NSA really, really happy. So like, it's hard for us to, to find some people because you're like, good grief. Like you need to be able to have a conversation with someone and, and like sound like a real person, not just, you know, a, you know, one word response robot. So to be able to, 
I think I think that's part of the problem too. Is like we just we won't be able to go back to our our ability to have conversations um, unless it gets to a point where like it's so it's so you know obvious how blatantly um, you know upfront they are about censoring like i think there's gonna be a coming a point where, where facebook's like you know fuck it we can do this and we're gonna do it what are you gonna do about it i mean I'm, i've gotten close to to deleting my face facebook a couple times but i mean i have you know family and friends on there and i don't i don't want to lose that connection yet and and i you know i would be upset having to do that but at the same point in time like i know that you know down the road either you know the the organizations i i work for whether it's you know over at we are libertarians or austin peterson's libertarian republic like I, I fear every day because I'm working and building, you know, content for those brands that you know, it, it could just be the whim of a, a content, um, you know, supervisor at Facebook who's like, oh, I don't like that anymore. Click and and just turns it off, like just completely shuts down the entire, you know, in, infrastructure for us. So like, it's a very real concern. I just don't know what the alternative would be besides going back to the good old fashioned, like, you know, getting email lists and cultivating emails to, to reach people directly or, or having your own website, hosting your own servers. But even then, like we said, what happens when the, 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 the servers won't host you because you're, you know, a, a political threat um, or, or your views are too controversial or if a bank won't let you get a credit card or, or a checking account because you, you don't toe the line with what they, they believe in terms of their, their philosophical views. So it's a really big issue that, I don't think a lot of libertarians have been able to properly address because we live in this what it should be type of world versus how the world actually is. And the reality is that there are people who do not like us. Like they they want to do whatever they can to silence us. Um, that's something that we have to come to grips with. Um, and, and really, when we're looking for solutions, make sure that we're not giving them ammunition that can be then used down the road on us because that's what history has shown has happened is as soon as we create these new um, you know, government programs to – uh, uh, be used against the, the uh, you know, political opponents of ours. You know, the next time somebody's in office, it's, it's the exact same things used against us, and we open the door to, for it to happen. So, um, yeah. I, I, long story short, I don't know if we can just walk away, Remzo. Honestly, I don't know if it's possible at this point. Yeah, I mean, this is I, I, a lot. Of, a lot of people say, "Oh, this is an unprecedented time. It's never been like this in history." I think that that's true and that's false. I mean, I think this issue of deplatforming of being censored by a non-governmental organization, like I, I think to that extent, it's recent. But this is a very, like, this is a very human problem that we could see throughout, you know, different civilizations and stuff. And like, it's. It's difficult. Um, there, there's a story that I heard somewhere. I'm a big Hunter S. Thompson fan, and for anyone that knows anything about Hunter S. Thompson, like the dude was not a conservative in the least, but he loved guns and free speech, and that was where you know that that's where some conservatives were like, oh, I guess he's not that bad. But Hunter S. Thompson, after Nixon got elected president, he wanted to show people that they still had authority within their lives even though, like, you know, they can't control the national sway of things sometimes. So he ran for sheriff of a Woody Creek, Colorado, on something called the Freak Party ticket. And he was actually going to win. So what the Democrats and the Republicans did was a few days before the election, they came up with a plan together, and they basically said, listen, uh, Republicans, vote for our guy for mayor, and we'll vote for your guy for sheriff. So this way, Thompson and his other Freak Party candidate— don't get elected. So Thompson ends up losing, not not by a lot, but he he lost in what should have been his election, and the other guy ends up losing, and the Democrats and the Republicans, they keep the status quo. So about a year later, he's at a Nixon convention, 
and uh, he's on the floor, and a bunch of people are like, oh, a bunch of Nixon guys are like, oh, you, you can't be here, no press allowed, and what <laughs> what Thompson does is he throws down his Rolling Stone press pass, and he says, I'm not here as a reporter, I'm here as a political observer, and they're like, what? And he's just trying to, like, you know, grasp for anything he can find to keep himself in there, but he's like... I, I'm here as someone that's been in the political arena. Have you ever run for office? And they're like, no, but what have you done? And he's like, I ran for sheriff. And they knew enough about him to know about that and to know he was a liberal. But here's where it got. This is where he got them. And he made them laugh so hard they allowed him to stay. He said, yeah, I was almost elected as sheriff. And the liberals stuck it to me. <laughs> what What it shows is that there's this collusion. And even though, you know, tr- Obviously, Jack Dorsey does not like Trump. Mark Zuckerberg does not like Trump. There are enough people within the bureaucratic machine and within these two giant corporations that understand that they could benefit more from each other than not. And, you know, the thing about libertarianism, and this is why I haven't been calling myself a libertarian lately, because as soon as you say that, people will just try and crucify you on everything. Like, here's the thing. Like, one, all political ideologies are, at the end of the day, a man-made religion. Man-made religions are fallible. And I'm sorry, libertarians, but there's no clear answer to this. There's no good answer. Sometimes life just sucks. Sometimes you're given the option of one, the shit, shan- the shit sandwich, and then the douche. Like, that's just how it is sometimes. And, you know, I, I actually think, like, do, do you know people? Like, this, this is a serious question. Like, do you know people, like, that you work with or friends that just don't have a Facebook account? Oh yeah, like I'm actually I have one of my really good friends, and he uh, he deleted his Facebook account a couple of years ago. He yeah, just I, I, he didn't I see the those, value anymore. Yeah, like I I know the people too, and I don't know how they live. They're like they're like vampires. You know what's funny, Remzo is like it, it, I don't know if you you've listened to like uh, Dave Rubin when he gets towards the uh, end of the summer, he puts his phone in a uh, a lockbox, and he he doesn't have his phone for an entire month, and he says it's like the best he feels all year without having Twitter, Facebook. Like it only the only thing he ever like has any correspondence with people with is if it's an important email, his his husband will look and, and let him know, and then he'll you know have his husband respond to it. But otherwise, like he's completely off the grid in terms of, of communication for an entire month, and he loves it. So I mean, I'm sure it's gotta be great and, and to to get all those you know triggers that you're, we're getting constantly bombarded with on social media every single day to you know have us share this video or or click this like. Like it's gotta be like almost um like so so gratifying to have this freedom. All of a Honestly, yeah. Like it's it's getting rid of it's like it's like getting rid of cigarettes to you know somebody who's addicted to nicotine. Like it's it's just it's gonna be a little hard at first, but I think after a while the you know the oh wow, I start to feel good. I don't need the the cigarette to get my my you know itch fixed. Like it's it's all gone. And I think I mean I don't know about you, but like I'll I'll be waiting in line somewhere and I'll just reach in my pocket and grab my phone and just look at my phone really quick to see if I have any notifications. Like that's not normal. Like for me to just look at a phone when I'm in line just because I have that itch, that that's not right. Like I think a lot of people do that though. Like when you're you're just looking for something to do, we go to our phones. And it's it's it is an addiction. So I think it's just it's it's going to be hard for people, and I think it might be good if we got we got off it. Yeah, and I mean, like here, here's the really scary thing, and there's there there are actual studies to back this up, and you know, I, I I really think that I can speak to this more so than other people, but you know, I'm I'm a former smoker, and you know, I don't want to get too into it. I've had I've had problems with alcohol, so I ha- I've quit both, and let me tell you, social quitting social media is by far harder than alcohol and cigarettes. I, I believe I, I'm, it. I'm being 
totally genuine because it's a total behavioral modification. The longest I have gone without any social media in recent years has been three weeks. I went, The last time I was on Free Man Beyond the Wall with Pete, I was saying I'm done with Facebook. I ended up having to come back on because I was starting a new business. And I was like, well, shit, I have to have a Facebook account to exist. I think the only way, and, you know, I, I was saying it somewhat tongue-in-cheek earlier, what if we just left? But, folks, I think the only real political statement we can make is to kill what we love. I think the only way we could ever send a message is just to fucking leave. And I'm not telling people to do that. I'm certainly not doing it. But that day is going to come. And when that day comes... I hope you know it's time to delete that app, disable that account, go outside and stare at the birds. We, we're going to have to kill what we love. But you know what, though? And I think that's that would be so good because I think once people get into the real world, they realize that a lot of the shit that we see online, it just doesn't matter. Like the the outrage, it, it doesn't exist. Like if I walk you know, down the, the art museum steps here in Philly, like – there might be 15 people I walk past that are completely opposite in terms of their political views, but like we were able to, to coexist. I like, I'm not screaming at them. They're not screaming at me probably because I don't know, but I think that's just one of the things about social media is that we, all these little nitpicky issues that we, we fight with each other about, they just get, you know, exponentially raised in terms of how important they are to us because now we see them constantly throughout our entire day. So I mean, I think it'd actually be very therapeutic for people just to to be able to enjoy, you know, living in their communities and, and interacting with the people in their their immediate lives that you know actually has a, a real impact in your 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 local society. So I mean, like, getting more involved with your your school board, like that would be so much more important and beneficial for know you. Know who's that, on your school board. <laughs> exactly. Like versus versus worrying about who's running for president of the 300,000 people on the Democratic ticket. Like it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, it's going to be another person who goes to the White House and, you know, will will immediately flip flop their positions and then just be more status quo. Like that's just that's that is what the, the new norm has become. So, like, make real different, you know, real substantive changes in your local communities. Vote for school board. Know who's on school board. You know, vote for your your city council. Like, we have Maj Tory here in Philadelphia running for a city council at large this November. And I, I honestly think the guy has a real legitimate shot. So, like, I know Michael Heist has been doing all he can um, from the Mises uh, caucus to, to raise awareness for him down here in Philly. Like, you know, bringing petitions around, you know, doing, uh, you know, sitting in the corner of, uh, you know, Chestnut and 13th and talking to people as they walk, you know, to the Dunkin Donuts or the, the Starbucks and letting them know that, you know, Maj exists and, and to tell what he believes. And he's, he's running for city council. Like that's going to have so much more value than going on Twitter and, you know, retweeting a bunch of uh, a bunch of accounts just because you, you feel that that's your your, your outlet, like, no, go out and actually make real difference in your community. It's going to make you feel so much better because you're getting involved again, but you're actually going to have a chance to make real difference for your yourself and your immediate community. Exactly. And, you know, I, I, we, we got to wrap up the show. But one thing I want to mention is like last month I, I went to an Andrew Yang rally. I had never been to a single Democrat rally in my Yang life. Gang. Yeah, the, the Yang gang was real. But here's the thing I noticed, like, I actually enjoyed my time there. And I talk about this in the article. I actually had fun. Like, the people were nice. They were not what I would have thought they would have been like. It was an interesting event. 
I, I'm probably going to go and, you know, jump around to other rallies to report on them because generally like my article, my article did not get published at several other outlets who will not be named because <laughs> it was objective. And these are places that and I'll, I'll, Brian, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the skinny. I'll tell you afterwards, but I don't want to deal with the shit online, especially on Twitter now, since we're going to be on their jihad watch list. But like the real world is actually a little bit more restrained than the bullshit online. And guys, like I, I've been sadly right about too many things. This is one of the bigger ones where I was like, shit, I wish I was wrong, but heed my warning. The day's gonna come. And when that day comes, kill what you love. And know that there's no going back because that's the only way they'll ever learn. But anyway, that, that's about it. Brian, if people want to go ahead and uh, you know check all your stuff out before you get banned everywhere, how could they do so? Oh, please. Yes, please go to follow me on Twitter. We still can at B Nichols Liberty, uh, both there on Twitter and also on Facebook. Also, you can find all my shows here, the Brian Nichols Show over at BrianNicholsShow.com. If you want to get in contact with me, send me an email. It's Brian at BrianNicholsShow.com. And uh, folks, if you enjoy my my uh, my shows, please swing over to iTunes and give the Brian Nichols Show a rate and review. Um, five stars would be preferred. But hey, you know what? Speak your heart. I uh, I always like to see my my reviews from my audience where I can I can do things better or no, things you guys Brian, like. No, stop, Brian. Stop. No, we're in the end game now. <laughs> this is a Thanos level event. If you're going to give Brian a review, you give him freaking five stars. You might not like him that much, but this is the end game now. Okay, Avengers freaking assemble. <laughs> I did have one guy leave a one-star review, and I'm like, God bless you that you went out of your way to, to go to my, my iTunes give me a one-star review just because that, that, that made you feel so much better. <laughs> so that, that that definitely made me chuckle when I saw that. But uh, but yeah, it, again, B. Nichols Liberty over on Twitter and Facebook. Any uh, you know follows, I'd love it. I always love to engage with people on my, uh, on my social media. And also, if you love The Office, you're going to love me because I love The Office so much. It's the best show ever. If you, you hate The Office, just, just don't waste your time. Just Just stay away. And just like that, folks, the show is over. We're in the end game now. What's next is gonna be interesting. As always, this is the Remso Martinez experience. Good night, America. <laughs>